we begin to read uh, into the demeanor of the person that would come through the door and be able to be able to pick out, okay, is this a safe moment or is this a dangerous time? Is this one where we're going to have to huddle? Because a lot of times during abuses, uh, my siblings and I, we would huddle in the corner and we would just hang on to each other as my mom would take the brunt as she would try to stand between us and, and my father. Welcome, my friends, to The Storyteller, where you'll find First Nations people from across Native North America who are following Jesus Christ without reservation. Abuse is a terrible thing to endure, no matter who you are. Sadly, it's not uncommon. Today we'll hear from a man who's lived through it and understands. Join us for part one of Tim Soodle's story. Uh, my name is Tim Soodle. I'm a uh, Kiowa out of Oklahoma and Taos Pueblo here in from the northern parts of New Mexico. I'm uh, one of five children. I'm the second uh, oldest one. As I was growing up on the uh, Taos Pueblo Reservation, we had a very uh, unique opportunity to have the, uh, been born uh, into a Christian family. Uh, the gospel came through both sides of my family, both from my uh, Kiowa side and also from my Pueblo side, through my grandmothers. Uh, and I, I thank God for their lives and how they they lived their lives as an example, uh, as someone who uh, would follow uh, Jesus Christ. My grandmother in Taos uh, married uh, my grandfather, who was a Kiowa. He came to New Mexico, fell in love with this uh, Pueblo gal and, and, and stayed there uh, for the rest of his life, uh, leaving Oklahoma. The gospel came, of course, through uh, missionaries uh, many years ago to my grandmother in Taos. My grandmother in, in Oklahoma lived out uh, near the area of uh, Mountain View, Oklahoma, uh, pretty much farmland. Uh, she went to a, a church at a place called Rainy Mountain Church. Her opportunity to uh, accept Christ into her life and to believe in Jesus Christ as being God's son uh, happened when, as she was an orphan many years ago. She was at uh, a boarding school with her two siblings, one older, one younger. And uh, she spoke very highly of a missionary that would travel by horse every single uh, year uh, making a circuit uh, visit. And as he visited, he brought items uh, for the children and also um, uh, brought the gospel. She very vividly gave uh, pictures, word pictures of how uh, she would look off in the distance, and they all knew that he would be there around certain times of the year. And so they would look off into the distance, uh, all these kids, if you can imagine them, looking off at the horizon. Uh, of course, Oklahoma being very flat land, you were looking off at quite a bit of a distance. And they always looked for a figure, and the figure they always looked for was a man on a horse, uh, riding in a particular posture, in a particular manner. And they knew that as he was getting closer, the children would get more and more excited and they would gather 
and uh, just be excited to, to see this man. And when he would arrive, uh, he would have bags with him, and he would unload the horse and uh, walk in. And the kids, if you can imagine, probably a, something that you and I can relate to would be almost like Santa uh, showing up with a with a large bag and and with uh, goodies for them to be excited about something. And you can imagine being orphans, them looking for something familiar, something that they can be grounded in. And, and excited to, uh, to see someone that they would recognize. They would come back and be a part of their lives every single year. So as this man came one year, uh, as he shared the gospel, uh, shared the truth of the gospel, my grandmother and her two siblings, all of them accepted Christ into their lives. And that's how the gospel came through the Kiowa side for me. Her husband uh, was the tribal leader for quite a few years uh, she was known as a lady that was full of grace uh, she was very very uh, showed a great sense of hospitality and if you're Native American you know exactly what I'm talking about about having that uh, being able to offer someone something or to help in some way and so as the gospel spread from my grandmother it came to my mom and my mom married my father who uh became a military serviceman for 20 years in the Army. And thus, uh, as they were in uh, Colorado Springs at Fort Carson uh, Military Post, I was born there uh, in 1958. I was uh, one of five, as I mentioned earlier. And as uh, we grew up, we grew up in a military family. And if you've been a part of a military family, you know what that feels like. Uh, there's times when you don't have uh, your father, whichever one is in the branch of service, you don't have them with you. And so uh, you kind of grow up with one parent really raising you. We spent time really between Colorado and Oklahoma because as my dad was off doing his military service, uh, he would nest us with the grandparents. And, and that was just the most wonderful time because my grandparents knew the gospel and they made sure that the gospel uh, came to us um, uh, as their grandchildren uh, many times uh, uh, as I think about the times that my grandparents would take me to uh, church uh, I wouldn't want to go but they would always make us go and I thank God to this day that they did make us go because as the seed began to get planted more and more early on in my life uh Life became more difficult, and we all know that life does the older that we get. And so as I began to grow up and I began to hit my my preteens, uh, my family life uh, at that time, my mother was a believer, but my father really wasn't. Uh, he was a man of the world, and, and of course being military, you know that that's very much like being a part of a team, or a, you know, he felt more compassion, more more desires to be around those folks than I think he really did his family at that particular time. And of course with that also came the, uh, the introduction of, uh, of being a part of a team that, you know, that would drink and alcohol was there. And, and of course it, w- it became very difficult as a child because I can honestly tell you that I can acknowledge that I was an abused child uh, physically and mentally. 
And this is something that is, is deep on my heart now as a, as a minister because I know of many, many native families where abuse is a big part of their families. And yet it is something that gets suppressed. And I'll talk a little bit later on about that. And so as the abuse began to happen, of course, and as my dad uh, began to come up through the rank structure of the military and eventually become a drill instructor, and you can imagine what family life was like, having to live with a person that strived for perfection uh, as a, a way of, of, of having approval, and that the family had to rise up in the same way. And if something simple like dishes weren't washed or laundry wasn't done, then literally uh, uh, our lives became a living hell. I remember uh, on numerous occasions hearing the arguments begin, and, and I know as I may be talking to you, you may be having difficulty because you may hear or know that this is going on in your own families, and, and I pray that you'll be able to cope and process well. Uh, but as the arguments begin to rise more and more, and as we begin to get older, more and more responsibility became a part of us, we uh, became abused. The oldest of us, uh, my older brother, myself, and my sister, who was one year younger than me, the three of us really experienced the brunt of the abuse. The two youngest ones to, did to some degree, but not at the levels and not at the durations that we did. I remember vividly uh, one time uh, not doing the dishes, and I remember having a, a dish thrown at me. And I remember trying to get out of the room, and I remember getting thrown up against the wall. I remember being uh, uh, having the marks, which I still carry on my body today, of the abuses that had uh, come over my time as a preteen and also even as a teen. And it wasn't there all the time. There were times, there were good times, and there were always bad times as usual. We began to read uh, into the demeanor of the person that would come through the door and be able to be able to pick out, okay, is this a safe moment or is this a dangerous time? Is this one where we're going to have to huddle? Because a lot of times during abuses, uh, my siblings and I, we would huddle in the corner and we would just hang on to each other as my mom would take the brunt as she would try to stand between us and, and my father. Many times after the abuse would happen, my mother would come to us and she would be bruised. Uh, she would be crying. She would be shaking and she would be trying to hold on to us uh, as we did as a family. And so because of that, I, I was very close to my mom for several reasons, really, because I felt loved when I was held by her, but also she was the person that very much like my grandmothers would take us to church uh, so that uh, she knew that if anything was going to change anything, if there was change going to come to our family, it was going to be because of God. It was going to be because of a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. Well, over the course of the years, as we begin to wonder and as we begin to get older as, as siblings, we begin to question our mom and ask her, you know, why is she staying here in this in environment? Why is she allowing us to be a part of this? And, and, um, why is it that sometimes you wonder you went to church and you had the appearance that everything was just fine when just hours before, uh, physical abuse was happening, not only to you, but also to your mother. And uh, so 
we kind of spent this cyclic kind of a routine where it just kind of happened like that for many, many years. And we spent a lot of time hunting. We spent a lot of time out in the outdoors. A lot of times I, I reflect today and I ask myself, why did that happen? Why did we spend our time outdoors? Especially my brother and my older brother and I. And I really feel that the reason why we spent the most of our time outdoors is because we felt safe. It's because we knew we weren't going to get hit. We weren't going to hear words that were going to be very hurtful. And so we would spend our days from, from morning to evening away out in God's, what God has created, looking at the flowers and the leaves, looking at the water that would flow there in Taos. Have you been abused? If so, you can relate to what you just heard. Abuse does more than hurt the body. It wounds the heart. It's a burden that you never should have had to bear. But there is hope. Listen to Jesus' words. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Put your trust in Jesus. No matter what you've done or where you've been, He will forgive cleanse and make you whole if you have any questions or comments you can write to us at the storyteller p.o box 1001 bemidji minnesota 56619 our phone number is 877-766-4648 that's 877-766-4648 You can also find us online at withoutreservation.com. Thanks for listening. And remember, the greatest story took place at the cross. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. My friends, there's more to Tim's story, so be sure to join us again next time as we listen to The Storyteller.